0: Welcome back once again to Search the Scriptures. We appreciate the opportunity to be here with all of our listeners again today as we open up God's Word and dig deep into that treasure of truth, knowledge, instruction, guidance, wisdom, oh, and blessings and promises. Yes, there are some rebukes and corrections and chastisements even, but all of it is there for our good to guide us in the best life that a person can live in this world. And I mean absolutely that, the best life that any human being can live. And with the greatest hope, that is of eternal life with God, the greatest direction, and that is directing us toward heaven, the greatest promise, forgiveness, salvation, eternal life. Oh, yes, the best life that anybody can possibly live. And God offers it to every one of us, to you and to me and everyone alive in this world today and whoever will be alive until the Lord comes again. How blessed we are to have his word to guide us in his will, to see the promises that God has laid out for us and to learn of the hope that he has communicated to us, every one of us, through his word. At the end of the program today, we're going to tell you how you can contact us, and we would love to send you a free Bible study that will teach you about the hope of eternal life that you can have, that God offers you through the teachings of his word. We don't want you to send us anything. We'll take care of the postage even. We don't believe in asking you to send some kind of donation or something called a love offering and then we'll send you something free. That doesn't sound free to us. All you have to do is contact us and ask us for the Bible study. We'll send it to you free. We'll take care of the postage. You can also receive a copy of today's program. We'll put it on CD, send it to you, and again, we'll even take care of the postage. No charge for the CD or the mailing. All you have to do is ask. We appreciate so many who listen to the program on such a regular basis and we appreciate those who might only be able to listen here and there because of their schedule. And we appreciate those who listen for the first time. We're thankful that you're there. We're thankful that so many people want to learn the Bible more fully. We pray that we're glorifying God as we teach his word on search the scriptures each day. And we pray that people are being helped. We know that many are because we hear from many of you. We even meet many of you in the Omaha area. And we're thankful for that, that we can see some of our listeners face to face and get feedback from them and, and maybe even strike up a more personal relationship. And some have even studied with us personally as they've come to meet us and get to know us. Oh, all the praise and all the glory go to God. We're thankful to have this ministry to serve him in this way. We are studying one of the most basic and needed lessons from God's word that anybody can possibly hope to learn. And it's really one of the most basic and needed lessons for every single person alive. And that is that you can be forgiven. As we've gone through this particular study, I've noted how there are so many people, and I've run into a number of them myself, over the years who have felt that they've done something so bad that they can't be forgiven. They don't believe that God will forgive them. They believe they're unforgivable. Now, some people have lived such a bad life that they just feel like there's no hope for them. Now, some people think they've committed something called an unforgivable sin. Others just think they have been so bad, they've been so far removed from God and godliness that there's no hope for them. I've tried to assure you in this particular study, right from God's word, that God can forgive someone even as bad as you. God can forgive you. And not only can he forgive you, God wants to forgive you. He wants to forgive you. Now you have to come to him for forgiveness his way, but nothing is impossible for God. Luke 1 and verse 37, he wants to forgive you, but he's not going to reach down and grab you by the collar and slap you around and make you be forgiven. He wants you to come to him for forgiveness. As Peter wrote in 2 Peter 3 and verse 9, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's his will, that's his desire, but he's not going to make you be saved. He's not going to make you be forgiven against your will. He wants you to come to him. Now the sad thing is, as I noted a moment ago, and as I've been bringing out in this particular study regularly there are a whole lot of people who want to be forgiven but they think they're beyond forgiveness and so they don't come to God for forgiveness they've given up and hopefully prayerfully through this particular study any who are in this particular audience will learn that they have hope that they can be forgiven and that God wants to do so. In Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse 11, God says, Say to them, As I live, says says the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live, and then look at this emphatic statement from God. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? Now he's writing that specifically to the Israelites of that day, but the principle is there for every one of us. Again, remember what Peter wrote in 2 Peter 3 and and verse 9. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The principle is still there for us today. Don't think that you've been so bad that you're beyond hope. Don't think that you've lived such a horrible life that God could not or would not forgive you. He forgave those, many of those, who had part in the crucifixion of his son. In fact, on Pentecost, about 3,000 of those were baptized for the remission of their sins. And Peter had said they had crucified the Son of God. And yet when they said, what shall we do? He said, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Acts 2 and verse 38. If they could be forgiven, you can be forgiven. The apostle Paul, before he became a Christian, was an enemy of the church. Oh, yes. Severely persecuted the church on an ongoing basis. Hunted down Christians. Put them in Bonds forced them to be put on trial against their will and even voted for their execution on occasion. And yet later, when he's writing inspired scripture, after he's become a Christian, after he's become a gospel preacher, after he's become a divinely appointed apostle, he writes and he says this is a faithful saying. And worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. He put himself among the worst of the worst. And yet he still recognized that he had been forgiven. If God could forgive someone like him, he can forgive you, whatever you've done. He can forgive you. There might be someone who says, you don't understand. I used to be an atheist. I didn't believe in God. I laughed at people. I ridiculed people for believing in God. Now I believe, but how could God forgive me? Not only can he forgive you, he wants to forgive you. And again, remember, nothing is impossible with God. Luke 1.37. God already sent his son to this earth to die on that cross on your behalf. God can forgive someone as bad as you. If you have your Bible with you and you're not driving in the car or maybe you're not working, I don't want you to put yourself in any kind of physical jeopardy. But if you're where you can open up your Bible, you might turn to 1 John chapter 1. And here we see again the principle of God's willingness to forgive. Beginning with verse 5, John is writing and he says, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, the word light is used metaphorically to refer to righteousness. God is righteous. And in him is no darkness. And the word darkness is metaphorical for evil, unrighteous. So God is totally righteous, and in him is no unrighteousness at all. John goes on and he says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, there are a whole lot of people, and walking in darkness would mean that we're living a lifestyle of sin. And so John says, if we say that we have fellowship with God all the while we're living in sin, then we're lying. We're not practicing the truth. Unfortunately, there are a whole lot of people who fit that description today. They're not people who think they're too bad to be forgiven. They're people who are hypocritical. They're people who are self-deluded. They talk a good game, but they don't live the life. They talk about how much they love God, how much much faith they have in him. All the while, they're living in sin. They're living in unrighteousness. They're living in unfaithfulness to God. They're living in contradiction to his teachings. They're not being obedient to him. But they talk about how much they love him. And so John says, "If if we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, live in sin. We lie, do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, verse seven, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now we've already seen, going back to Acts chapter two, that even those who had a part In rejecting Christ when he was here in this earth, teaching the gospel, and ultimately putting him on that cross, crucifying him in that barbarous, torturous kind of execution, even they could be forgiven. Remember when they asked Peter in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, What shall we do? He said, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Be immersed, buried in the waters of baptism. And at that point, the blood that Christ shed on the cross on the behalf of all humanity would cleanse even them, those who had contributed to his crucifixion. It would cleanse even them of the guilt of their sins. Remember what Paul said when he said, Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. The Lord Himself sent Ananias, a Christian man, to teach Paul. At at that time, he was Saul of Tarsus. He He was a sinner, guilty of terrible sin, persecuting the church. And Ananias went to teach Saul. And Saul had been praying. He was repentant, I think we can understand at that time, but, but he was not forgiven. He was not saved. Ananias came to teach him the gospel. And in that pursuit, he said, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling in the name of the Lord, Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. Even Paul could be forgiven. And here when we come back to 1 John chapter 1, and we look at verse 7, the idea here, if I understand the original language, the sense of the original language correctly, when John says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, In other words, if we walk in the light of God's way, of his righteousness, we have fellowship with one another, that is, among all, true Christians. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The sense in the original language is it keeps on cleansing us. And I believe I'm understanding that correctly. It keeps on cleansing us. And notice that it says, from all sin. Now what is it that you think you've done that's so bad that you can't be forgiven of? And why would you think that when there it says, God speaking through the apostle John as John writes this by by inspiration, being guided by the Holy Spirit to write exactly what God wants him to write. And so John says, John writes, it's God's word that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, can cleanse you of all sin, all sin. Now John goes on and he says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now John is writing this particular letter to Christians. As we went back to Acts chapter two, those people had not yet become Christians. When we talk about Acts chapter, about Saul of Tarsus in Acts chapter twenty-two, he was not a Christian. They all, those on Pentecost, and about three thousand of them obeyed that day. And Saul of Tarsus later, when Ananias said, "Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins," they needed to be baptized for the remission of their sins. They needed to be baptized so that the blood that Jesus shed on the cross could cleanse them of the guilt of their sins. They needed to become Christians. And it is at baptism that we come into Christ. Romans chapter six and verse three and Galatians three and verse 21. But now, some people think, yeah, I, I did that. But you don't know how I lived after that, oh, I fell. Oh, I became unfaithful. I became disobedient. I became unrighteousness after having been forgiven. I became so bad, so ungodly. You're the one John is writing to specifically here in 1 John chapter 1. He's writing this to Christians who have been guilty of sin. And in verse 9, again, what does he say? If we confess our sins. Now, there's only one true baptism. The Christian who stumbles along the way and commits sin does not need to go back and be baptized again. They've already done that. They've already been baptized into Christ. Now, they have become erring Christians, unfaithful Christians, And they need to be forgiven again. But John says here, if we confess our sins, and I believe based upon Acts chapter 8, the understanding is also we pray to God for forgiveness. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And again, notice, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, we've seen that word used twice in this short context his, the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin verse 7 he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness verse 9 that word only three letters long very short, easy to understand. It means every single one of whatever it's talking about. It is all inclusive. Nothing that is being referred to in the context of its being used is left out. And so here, twice, John says the repentant, christian the one who has fallen away from faithfulness the one who has again gone back into sin just as the person who has not yet become a christian can be baptized and have his sins blotted out acts 3 and verse 19 acts 2 and verse 38 washed away no more record no more memory Acts 22 and verse 16. So even the Christian who has turned his back on his Lord and gone back into sin, even he can be forgiven if he will come back to God through Christ, repenting of his sins, confessing his sinfulness openly before God in prayer and asking for forgiveness. The blood of Christ keeps on cleansing us from all sin. God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Doesn't that give you hope? even someone as bad as you can be forgiven. In just a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us. Ask for that free Bible study. It'll tell you exactly how you can be forgiven, how you can grasp and hold on to the hope of forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ. The study is free. We'll take care of the postage. Contact us right away. Won't you?